Hello, and welcome to Activating Sustainability, the Anthesis podcast. We're recording this in early December, and we hope everyone is keeping safe with the current uptick of COVID cases, feeling encouraged about the year ahead, and are finding safe and fun ways to connect with family and friends this holiday season. We're about to see an abrupt turnaround in U.S. federal climate action, and today we're having a broad discussion on what it might include and what it might mean going forward. Joining me for that are George Favaloro, Executive Director, Energy and Renewable Market Specialist, and Josh Whitney, Executive Director, Net Zero North American Lead, and Director of Anthesis Ventures, both here in Anthesis North America. George and Josh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, great to be here. So maybe to start things off, how are the two of you as climate specialists, you know, climate advocates and deep thinkers in this space feeling and doing right now? Yeah, I mean, I think scared and energized. How about that? We have so much work ahead of us that we can't lose another decade for sure. But I think that we have what we need to blaze the trail here and get things done. So energized to do it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll certainly echo that, George. I, I would also say we are busy. Obviously, the first half of this year is extremely difficult managing through the initial downturn and lockdowns around the world. But have to say, coming through the summer, infection rates notwithstanding, the appetite, enthusiasm, and will of corporates, many of our clients, to take action on climate has been pretty phenomenal. And certainly, we are very busy helping you know, many, many companies, as well as new ones who are our network, start to take pretty decisive action on climate, carbon, and many other sustainability topics. Yeah, no, really exciting to see that continual development and that pace of change. And so maybe thinking about kind of Biden coming in, all of the enthusiasm that's coming with that, that encouragement, et cetera, what are some of the elements that are standing out for you in that package portfolio plans? And maybe Josh, do you want to kick us off with that? Sure. Yeah, happy to. Well, there is certainly a lot of interest and enthusiasm, certainly from the environmental and broader sustainability community with the president-elect Biden coming in and, and the, the focus that he has made for a number of issues, you know, being in sort of the top four things that are always on the punch list whenever he is out speaking, climate change being very much up there. So in that realm, there has been a group that has been organizing since about April of this year called Clean Energy for Biden, which is a number of elected officials, former elected officials, policymakers, clean economy leaders and uh, experts from around the industry who have been putting together a number of different policy proposals that really are going to form the basis for what the Biden-Harris administration hopefully are going to be focusing on. Um, And we'll get into some of what those particular topic areas look like, but it's incredibly inspiring, particularly with just some of the language and really just the words that are being used to articulate what this administration is going to be focused on. I'll just read off just the simple title of this, I think, is is really inspiring. And these recommendations are, are kind of grounded in this concept that the campaign has had of building back better, with this report being policy recommendations for an equitable, clean energy power recovery and achieving a 100% carbon neutral economy by 2050. That in of itself tells you a lot about the focus that this administration and hopefully the next four years and beyond will have to transition the broader economy for a much you know brighter future. Definitely. And George, things that are standing out for you from the plan? So I think certainly there are a number of areas of the plan that are 
exciting if, for example, you're in certain industries that are likely to directly benefit. So just one example, there's a big focus on building, you know, resilient infrastructure, and that can be roads, bridges, water systems, building out the electricity grid, and so on. So certainly the whole corporate sector that provides goods and services to the infrastructure build out, that could be a huge boost. And so that's quite exciting. There are other sectors too, like for example, the auto industry is going to get most likely a big push to help transition to EVs. And so again, you know, if you're in any kind of business that benefit from an acceleration of that transition, there's probably a lot of potential growth ahead. So that's very exciting. And then I think certainly if you're as a company that has objectives to reduce carbon, to make your infrastructure more resilient, there's going to be a lot more activity that you can leverage. And, you know, whether that's suppliers that are bringing solutions to market or whether it's potential tax investments or other incentives, all of those who can expect that there'll be a lot more of that available to you as we move forward. Yeah. I mean, incredible to think about kind of the, the organizing nature of this policy, whether it comes to full fruition or not. And kind of curious how that's impacting your view of things. You know, as we've talked about in the past and Josh, as you mentioned, feels like the market has been just moving full steam ahead. And curious what the the broad implications of a clear Biden commitment, you know, bringing in some of the language that you were talking about, Josh, George, your point about making some clear commitments around investments, et cetera, how you see that manifesting in the market for cleaner technologies or kind of adoption of broader practices. I'll answer that by sort of almost taking a step back four years to 2016 you know, at the end of the Obama era and beginning of Trump, there was a big gasp of air, I think, from a lot of folks in our community and certainly corporates who had been making major commitments and investments, you know, on issues of climate by nature that, you know, all of a sudden there would be a real loss of of momentum that had been building for the last eight to 12 plus years. And I think one of the interesting things that has come out of the last four, which is Interesting in the context of the next four, as it relates to sort of policy, is that much of corporate America has been driven and has been taking action irrespective of policy coming from Washington. That was not the case during the Obama era. I think if if you look back, it's probably pretty easy to say that we collectively, we needed a policy approach to drive some of the corporate business community action around climate in particular to sort of give that nudge to head in the right direction. But the momentum that had been built there really started to yield, you know, economic and financial as well as other forms of capital benefits that corporates began to see to the point that in lieu of or where policy was getting stripped out from an incentive perspective, companies and corporates were still in. The number of corporates that committed to additional climate-related commitments, as well as more at at the state level, doubled down during the Trump era. And so I think what we've seen is the market moves where the market is rewarded. And in this case, sustainability at large, specifically climate and, and carbon here, is showing that being more efficient, 
transitioning towards renewables and lowering carbon emissions is just good for business, whether it's policy driven or not. And so that kind of gets us to where we are today, where you know, now what looks like you're poised to sort of triple down, you could say, on having the incentives from a administration that's going to really drive more investment, more growth, more jobs towards this clean economy and should be really effective at transitioning. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. There's been a real leadership race where companies have made stronger and more visionary commitments and have certainly looked around and seen their peers really stepping up and have felt some pressure themselves to step up for good reason, but wanting to do their part. And that's been incredibly encouraging. And all of that momentum, I think, gives a great running start for corporate action going forward that's only going to be accelerated with good policy behind it. I think one of the interesting things right along those lines is the capital markets have really woken up to the importance of companies thinking through what their climate risks and opportunities are. And we have more and more clients that are very focused on what their investors think. And that has really accelerated over the last four years and has caused a lot of awareness from other parts of the C-suite on that is very concerned about what the ESG story is for their investors. And I think that has propelled a lot of action and will continue to propel a lot of action as well. And that's one more dimension that will continue. And I think even from a policy perspective, there was some risk that the SEC was going to roll back some sustainability disclosure focus. And now it's highly likely that will not happen and that the disclosures in that area as part of your financial disclosures will only be increased. So all of these factors together really do create an encouraging picture where we'll probably see more and better corporate action than even the last four years. Yeah, that's always the direction we're hoping things will go. And maybe taking it to the next level. I mean, reading through the Biden climate plan, it really feels a little bit of everything everywhere all the time. Josh, to your point, bringing in the four priorities. What I find really encouraging is those linkages between them. But I'm curious, you know, when you look at specific industries or tactics, things that are standing out for you. And I know whether, Josh, you want to start with some of the things that are coming out of the clean energy for Biden effort that you've been a part of, or other things that you're seeing within that that you think will be really critical to the success going forward. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like you pointed out, this is very much a kitchen sink type plan and scope of program that has been proposed that is addressed and sort of covered. So it is incredibly comprehensive. And like you said, what's actually quite interesting is the connection points or, or connectivity between some of these things. You know, George, you hit on a couple of these already, uh, particularly the clean transportation, electrification, that will be absolutely critical and, and has made incredible strides in just the last 12 to 18 months. A couple others that kind of stand out for me would be around modernizing the energy system and grid. This is real deep core in infrastructure and is sort of tied to what many administrations in the past have you know, used to create lots of jobs, which is around infrastructure, roads, 
bridges and transportation. That all you know needs a significant overhaul as well. But critical too, I think the the transition here long term is addressing some of the instability that the grid currently represents. A uh, lot of activity and investment dollars has been moving towards this area. It's to many, it's probably not as sexy and as exciting, but it is just this critical backbone infrastructure that hopefully will be getting some more attention. That is a very much long-term play to enable a lot of the things that we're hoping to do more of the sexy tantalizing level. The other one for me, which is quite interesting, which is tied to, to job creation and resiliency stems around a lot of what has happened in 2020 from an equity and justice perspective. And there's a specific part of the C4 Biden program that has been focused on strengthening climate justice and expanding equity. And this is a really interesting one that I think this administration is uniquely positioned to really be focused upon and enable significant change as we transition to a clean energy economy. This has been really manifest this last year with COVID-19, where we constantly see a, you know, a similar story where people of lower income, people of and communities of color, they're more exposed to all of these bad things and, and externalities that exist in our world. And I believe there's a lot of opportunity here for the policies and programs to really cut to the core of some of these issues and provide incentives and programs and opportunity for people and communities and parts of our economy that have been you know, significantly disadvantaged since the founding of this country. Mm, that connectivity is so critical. And to your point, it certainly feels like a kitchen sink, but feels like a well-planned out kitchen sink and maybe an appropriate response to the complexity of the challenge. That it's not going to be one thing, but so many things layered on top of each other around that. Yeah. And I think in terms of layering, what you see throughout is a discussion of jobs. You see that riddled throughout the policy papers, the jobs focus, the union focus. And I think there's a lot of truth to that in that things like making buildings more energy efficient, building resilience in communities and in infrastructure, helping to transition the power sector, all of those things do have big job potential and unions can play quite a role in those sectors of our economy. So that's another layer that I think extremely important and could be a real upside from a business perspective. So maybe taking us in a slightly different direction and not going too deep into this, but curious what the two of you are seeing in terms of some of the key obstacles and challenges in being able to realize this broad and exciting vision going forward. And maybe George, do you want to take that on first? Sure. Yeah. I mean, clearly the biggest potential obstacle is if the administration has to go forward with a Congress that doesn't agree with him and the, the Senate could go either way. But certainly if the Senate is won by the Democrats or tied, I guess, at this point, a lot of this will go faster and it'll clear a path to using a lot more legislative tools, which could really accelerate the whole plan. Short of that, there's still a lot that can be done. For example, the government is one of the biggest energy consumers in the country. And through executive action, the administration can direct the procurement of renewable energy. And that act alone could have a really big impact on the transition of our energy grid. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, as a energy nerd, I'm fascinated to see how we can actually realize this going forward and that kind of pace that is in the plan and that will require those significant purchases, technological developments, et cetera, as well. So maybe Josh, any additional key obstacles or challenges that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, I'll add, I think all eyes are on Georgia and January 5th to Georgia's point. That will really dictate the pace and the tools uh, that are used to drive some of this action here. And, and I think it is going to be a difference of whether we are sort of cleaning up and addressing some of the gaps that have been exposed versus whether we're really accelerating activity right off the gate to set a flight path for, you know, really transformational change on, on some of these particular topics. That, that I think will be quite influential to where the administration is able to take some of the topics and issues and, and how deep and broad they're able to really go. Well, maybe pivoting to what does it mean and what does it mean as a corporate, as a, somebody sitting in a sustainability group, somebody sitting in a C-suite, CEO looking at this. What is your recommendations? What are the implications for them? Maybe, George, you want to take a first shot at that? You know, I think that most C-suites are well underway. The ambition that we've seen that continues to be demonstrated by the majority now of leading corporations really around the globe is, is really impressive. And I think that the energy in this area to use a pun, but the focus on this issue set is only going to increase and there's going to be a lot more momentum that can both be leveraged and utilized for great corporate action. There's going to be a better policy framework around building resilience into your supply chain, for example. There's going to be investment in new technologies. There's going to be incentives to make your infrastructure more resilient. And I think all of that helps to propel sustainability programs forward. So, um, so I'd say it's definitely a brighter picture and there's going to be a lot of good momentum building over the next four years. Yeah, for me, I think it boils down to confidence and certainty, which I think is a summation of, I think a lot of George, what you just kind of went through there. We've seen an amazing number. We're over a thousand companies around the world who have set science-based targets. Uh, there's about 350 or, or so that have set them to a one and a half degree C trajectory, a smaller subset now are angling for net zero well before 2050, in most cases on a 2030 and, and 2040 timeline. And amazingly, these companies are setting these targets full well knowing that they do not know how they are going to get there, but they are committed to the cause. They are committed to the transformation, knowing that there is more than just an economic benefit behind it. There is an ethical, moral and other forms of, of capital benefits to society for making this transition. If anything, what the future now I think holds is the tools and the keys to the solutions that will be required for us all and selfishly these companies to be achieving these types of targets. So to build on what George was saying, you know, this is going to unlock a lot of the you know, market-based, technology-based solutions that are quite nascent still today or are at this beginning to become tipping point 
where they will become available, they will become commercially viable, economically viable for use, adoption, and then scale. So I think that's very promising. Nothing that the market likes more than certainty and stability to some extent. And certainly, you know, that's what the Biden campaign was really all about. And so I think from a corporate perspective, knowing that there will be a partner outside of the business sector who will be focused on bringing solutions to market to solve some of these challenges should give a lot of other companies the confidence to continue to set ambitious targets and continue to make investments because it will not just be them going at it alone. And I think that's really exciting and, and certainly what we all need to make a lot of the change that is required over this next decade. That was really well said, Josh. And one other point that we haven't touched on yet is the potential for international collaboration on this agenda. There's a lot of contention around the globe with trading partners and the like in certain areas, but the one area where all of the global leaders have agreement is on addressing climate change. And that really bodes well because this is sort of an area where the U.S. considers itself somewhat in the driver's seat. Certainly, this administration wants to be the global leader on climate change, and there are willing partners uh, around the world, whether that's China, the U.K., Europe, all have this close to the top of their agenda. And so it means that that certainty that Josh just described is going to be even reflected in the business environment, the global business environment and the global policy environment. Yeah, great point. Thanks for bringing that in, George, because it is so critical. Everything you guys are saying about that community, not feeling alone, seeing that encouragement, both at the national level within a sector and then globally, as you're saying, George, is all very encouraging. So there's so many paths in here. I would love to just unpack for hours over many beverages, but would love to hear any kind of last thoughts you have as you look ahead to kind of the new administration coming in, the change in policies and what is mapped in front of us here. Maybe Josh, do you want to kick that off? Sure. I guess it builds on the last comment, which is for those folks who have been developing programs and ensuring their activities around climate, it's electric vehicle pedal to the metal, right? Like there's there's a lot more that's going to be coming from communities who have been disenfranchised and exposed and people who have lost jobs. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but that the economy is transitioning and a recognition of that transition and a support system to drive that change, where in the recent past, we've been sort of caught between a rock and a, and a hard place. So again, a lot of, for me, really cautious optimism and enthusiasm for a key part of our economy, which is the federal government being a willing participant and enabler of change. And, and I think that's very exciting. George's point on the global view, I think is really critical because our world is so interconnected. The climate doesn't care if you reduce emissions in one part of the world versus a, another. We are all one big happy family at the end of the day. And so I think that is really exciting and will be a critical success component or failure component if we can get this right. We have to collaborate here, which is really hard work. And I think it's exciting that we have a team coming into the White House that that is very much their remit and their position and perspective. So 
certainly a exciting end of 2020, which what has otherwise been a pretty rough year. Absolutely. George, final thoughts from you? You know, maybe the only other thing that rises to the level of uh, being worthy of, of discussing that we haven't touched on yet is, you know, there's also a really big innovation agenda. And I think where that will come home for corporations is there will be new green hydrogen, new solar and other storage technologies and the like, and advanced building materials and other things coming down the pike. I mean, all of the, the whole innovation agenda is also going to get a lot of focus from the administration. And it's, again, it's an area where we're quite good at that as a nation, as, you know, and, and the government sponsoring various types of innovation and actually getting results through our entrepreneurial culture. And I think all of that is going to be turned up too, and it will bring some really great solutions to market that, you know, will bear fruit. And so we can look forward to that as well. A, a lot of this will get easier because of that, and we'll have more cost-effective and more just effective overall solutions to, to help us on this journey. It is so much fun to have a positive conversation around climate change. It feels like a long time since, since we've had those, if ever. So thank you both very much for the time, perspectives, and encouragement. And as you said, Josh, cautious optimism uh, mixed with a lot of enthusiasm. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, or feedback, we can be reached at george.favaloro, that's F-A-V-A-L-O-R-O, or josh.whitney, that's W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, and chris.peterson, all at anthesisgroup.com. And we'll be sure to include a link to the Clean Energy for Biden effort in the description. As this will be our last podcast for 2020, we want to wish you, your family, and teams all the best for the year ahead. Thanks again for listening. Take care.